can show you the way in to get free. I know. I know the way. Because I had to walk the journey out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land. I had to walk that journey. Many deaths on that road. What do you mean many deaths? Many times you have to die to your way, to your opinion, to what you think. Your will has to be laid down. You've got to lay all of the things down that you carry that are your way and your family tradition way. You have to find God's way. But there is a cutting away of your and then accepting His. There is no breakthrough without surrender. I'm telling you right now. Look at somebody and say, there is no breakthrough without humility and surrender. There is no breakthrough without humility and surrender. You have to bring the flesh to the altar so God can consume it so that you can walk in the spirit. That's why we carry the cross with us. Every day we wake up and I'm dead to the flesh. I've reckoned myself dead to the old man, to the old way, and I'm alive in Christ. It's in Him I live and move and have my being. I am seated together with Him at the right hand of the Father with all authority and power and all things under my feet. And that is a reality in your thinking that you only step into through revelation and many surrenders. It's a surrendered life. I'm not keeping 20% of my life and giving God 80%. I'm not keeping 50 and giving Him 50. I give Him all my life. Do you know that a life outside of Christ is a life in self? So if it doesn't originate in Him, it comes from you, which is influenced by the spirit of the world. And when you have built in your mind ways of thinking that have become strongholds. What is a stronghold? It's like when I first learned to drive stick shift growing up in South Africa, it was scary. Because you've got a clutch, you've got a brake, you've got an accelerator, you've got five gears and a, and a reverse. Who knows what I'm talking about? For my 18th birthday, my mother got me driving lessons. And you have to be 18 in South Africa to drive. But you, you also drink at 18. You can do everything at 18. So, I remember getting in that vehicle and trying to put the clutch in and shift gears, keep my eyes on the road. And then at the same time, you have to look in all three mirrors. And you have to check your blind spots. You're supposed to just do this. But in the beginning, you don't have eyes around the car. The car isn't part of you. You don't know where first gear is. You're trying to find everything. There's pressure because there's cars behind you. 
And it's not an automatic where you take your foot of the brake and then you hit the gas and then you just move. No, it's like, and then you stall out. And if you're on an, an incline, you're in trouble. Now you've got to learn how to use the handbrake and manage the clutch and everything. But after several months of training and several months of driving, suddenly I became one with the car. To the point where you can drive with your knees. Do a Zoom call on your phone. Eat a Chick-fil-A God's chicken sandwich with your right hand. Simultaneously know where every vehicle is around you and what speed. And you know four cars in front of you. And you're able to slap your kids in the back seat getting out of hand. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is when it becomes so natural and so part of you, you don't have to think about it. You just are in that way of doing things. And when you're in that way of doing things, you need a power to break you out of deception. But if you're blind and you can't see that you're deceived, how do you break free? And that's where the power and the Spirit of God comes in to set the captive free, to break that way of thinking, to reprogram your thinking so that you can operate in the way God wants you to operate. And that's where real change happens is when you encounter the Spirit of God. But anytime you come to the Lord, there's always a surrender of something. There's always a laying down of something. Can you say amen? I'll go into my message, and then we'll receive the offering. Is that all right with you all? I'm, I'm in it right now. So on Tuesday morning when I woke up, I just had that stream of revelation flowing in my heart. You say, what is that? So... The Bible says that there are rivers of living water that unlock and begin to flow out of your belly. And what's really cool is uh, my position in the kingdom, I'm graced with a gift set to equip the church for the work of the ministry and to help you mature into who you are in Christ Jesus so that you can come to the full knowledge and, and grow into the image of who you are in Christ. And so I'm being gifted and graced by God to do things to serve in this capacity. In my own ability, I can't do this. In my own ability, there's no setting captives free. There's no people having burdens broken. There's no healing that happens. The, nothing happens. No joy without the presence and the grace of God. And so the way the Lord teaches me things is, I see things, I hear things, and I know things in the Spirit. And just like when you hold a hose pipe, you can feel water flowing through it. When the stream unlocks in me, I feel it flowing on the inside of me. And the stream flows over my mind. It's the coolest thing. I feel the stream, and then in my mind, I just know things. And so I woke up on Tuesday morning, and the Lord told me what to tell you today. I'm not sure if you're going to like it, but I'll just tell you what he said. Look at the person next to you. Tell him you're going to be all right. 
<laughs> Say, you're going to be okay. So we've been talking about building our lives on a firm foundation. We've been talking about building our lives on a solid foundation so that we can have strong families. And the enemy is working really hard to destroy family units. It's what he's been doing all along. And we are not ignorant of how he operates. And so in the book of Matthew, um, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus speaking. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Look at somebody and tell them if you listen to the teaching of Jesus and you apply it to your life, you're smart. You're wise. It says, it is like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, look at somebody and say, if you hear the teaching from the Lord, Jesus' teachings, and you refuse to apply it, to your life, you're foolish. D-U-M-M-Y. If you can spell, you know what that means. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Anybody ever been to the beach and built a sandcastle? Man, you can build it. It looks really cool. But let one wave come in. It just wrecks your sandcastle. Get super mad at the ocean. And so if you build your life on sand, look at someone and say, build your life on the opinions of people. It is not a solid foundation. And when the winds come, and when the waves come, Whatever you're building will be destroyed. It'll produce nothing in your life. But if you will build your life on the principles found in what Jesus teaches, and you will apply these principles to your life and to your household, teach these things to your kids, you will build a family that will be strong, that can stand any storm. I think that's some good news, wouldn't you say? And so... In the book of Genesis, we've been talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. Go to Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. 
When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord called out to man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, Look at somebody and say, welcome to the sin nature. It was the woman you gave me. It's your fault, God. (laughs) So not only did he blame his wife, but then he blames God for giving him that woman. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you're cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. That's why women hate snakes. It's always guys playing with snakes. Women are like screaming and get the shotgun and kill that thing. Blow the kitchen up. Why are there holes in the kitchen cabinets? It was a snake. Tracy had a snake get into her house the other day. A little black racer, they're not, they're harmless. But if it was like a king cobra, you know, something, that would be a problem. <laughs> Do we have any women that love snakes? Just raise your hand if you're a snake lover. That's biblical, you shouldn't, you know. <laughs> I mean, you watch these videos, a guy's getting chomped by venomous snakes, you know, and it's like the fifth time he's been eaten by a snake, and they just keep going back for more. I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and I was, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. Now we know where pain comes from for pregnancy. And in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So you see what the curse did? It brought division in our households. Look at the person next to you and say, the cursed nature, the selfish nature wants to control and wants to rule. And God never intended a husband and wife to rule one another. He intended them to rule together. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit, I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from an animal skin for Adam and his wife. So that's where the first animal sacrifice happened. The blood of the animal had to cover the sin of man. And then the the skin of the animal was used to cover man. But in the beginning, man wore light clothing. It was made from the glory, light as a covering. That's another story. We'll get into spiritual clothing another day. 
Spiritual clothing, yes. Say garments of salvation. That's your underwear. Robes of righteousness. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. These are things you wear in the spirit. You can wear the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. You can have the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation. There are things in the spirit that you can put on as weapons to overcome whatever the enemy is throwing against you. You're feeling depression come on you? Put on the garment of praise. Begin to praise the Lord. It'll leave you immediately. Because you can't praise God without being thankful. Thankfulness leads to praise, which breaks depression. If you're going into depression, look at your thoughts, and you'll find that you're setting them on things here below and not things above. Do you know that thankfulness is the best mental health pill you could take? Thankfulness will keep you mentally healthy. Because it'll keep you out of competition and comparing yourself with what other people have. Anyway, I don't know who that was for, but you're welcome. Then the Lord God said, look, human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and eat fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. In our sin, we would live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the garden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So people are looking for the Garden of Eden, and I want you to know the Garden of Eden is not on earth. Look at somebody and say, the Garden of Eden is not on earth. The Garden of Eden is heaven. It's paradise. Do you know that the word Eden means pleasure, delightful place? That's why heaven is delightful. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no sin. It's life and life more abundantly. And man had access to heaven before he fell. He had access to the presence of God. He had access to walk with God. He had access to be taught and trained by God. But because man disobeyed, say disobeyed, he broke God's command. And as he broke the command, he was separated from God. Look at the person next to you and tell him sin separates. Find somebody else and tell him sin is a separator. Sin is rebellion against God. And that's what Lucifer did. Satan came and he got kicked out of heaven. So he knew, he knew, you go up against God, you rebel against God, you get kicked out. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus is not on the same fighting plane as the devil. I want you to know that. God is, he, nobody created him, he's existed, but he created beings and cherubim and angels and humans, we were all created by God. So there is no fight between Satan and God. There's no war. There's no competition. Archangels, Michael, the Kung Fu angel in heaven. The Lord of heaven's armies. He took care of Lucifer when he tried to take over. When he tried to take the throne, he got kicked out. There was no fight. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. What happened over there? Ooh. 
Oops. Shame. <laughs> Fallen. And so he came to deceive man to rebel against God. Because he knew if man rebelled, he'd get the same punishment he got. He's a deceiver. He came to deceive. The enemy wants to deceive you. He wants to lie to you. He does not want you to believe the word of God. Look at the person next to you. Say the enemy is a liar and he's a deceiver. He hasn't changed. He's doing what he's always done. His tricks have not changed. His strategies, we know them. What does he do? Did God really say? Oh, did he really say you're healed? Did he really say you're saved? Did he really say you've got a new covenant? Did, you, did he really say he can provide all your needs? Did he really say that he can deliver you, save you? Did he really say? Prove it. Prove it. That's what he told Jesus. Oh, you're the son of God. Prove it. And so he comes to get you, to get into pride, to rebel against God. To not believe God. You believe Him instead of the Lord. And I'm telling you, when, when this happened, pride kicked in. Everybody say pride. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it your way. And family, each and every one of us have to surrender our will to God. There's different parts of your soul that you have to surrender. I don't know if you know this. But when you come to the Lord and you give Him your heart, your spirit man gets recreated. But now you have to let God into your soul. Say, my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, my memory. You've got to let Him into your thinking process. And what, it, what we do is we say, yeah, I'm saved. But God, you don't have access to any other area of my soul. And Jesus wants to come into the area of your soul and be Lord over your will. He wants to be Lord over your emotions. He wants to be Lord over your memory. He wants to be Lord over the screen that you imagine on. He wants to be Lord in the area of your memory, all the short-term and long-term memories that you have, your conscious, your subconscious. He wants to consume you wholly and be Lord over your entire life. Say, sin separates. And when we rebel against the word of God, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So when we rebel against God, it's like witchcraft. That's how God sees it. <laughs> Look at the person next to you and say, don't dabble in witchcraft. Don't dabble in rebellion against God. Obey the Lord. So rebellion and disobedience separates us from the Lord. It caused division. It divided. It separated. It separated the man from his wife. Is that true? It brought separation between them because now he wants to rule her and she wants to control him. That never happened before. It's part of the curse. It's part of the fallen nature. The man blamed God and the man blamed his wife. So it brought separation between man and God. And it ended with them being put out of the provision of God, the Garden of Eden. Because in the Garden of Eden, there was no sweat. There was no toil. There was no trouble. They, they ate freely from every fruit from the trees in the garden. 
There was gold found in that place. Full provision was there. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no division. In the rebellion, the curse came. Do you see that? And they were put on the outside, separated from God. Say, pride separates me from the provision of God. So God pronounced this curse. And we read all of that. There's a power struggle for control that is inherent in our sinful nature. And if we want to build a strong household, we got to let the power struggle go. I mean, we're getting to the roots of this thing in the household. The wife wants it her way. The husband wants it his way. And we're supposed to both lay down our lives to serve one another. And if you have children, then as parents... You need to be responsible for the children you created and lay down your lives to serve them and to train them and to raise them and stop expecting professionals to raise your children. I'm not going there. But that's why we have youth development centers so we can come alongside you and we can help you raise your children in the things of God. Say the same thing that you say. And be another voice in their life. And as a community, we're going to raise the next generation in the things of God. The spirit of pride is an attitude that is rooted in self. It is rooted in I. Say the spirit of pride is rooted in self. It is rooted in I. It is selfish and self-centered. I want to make all the decisions. I want to control the money. I want to be served. I want it my way. Pride has its own ambitions. My will be done. You like my song? It's fantastic. Pride's like, I want to be famous. I want my name to be known. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be the supreme ruler. That's what pride is. It's all about self. It wants to rule. It wants to reign. It's about my will. It's about what I want. Look at the person next to you say, if you're in pride, it opens the door to the spirit of jealousy. You see, once you step into the one thing, everything else unlocks in the kingdom of darkness. You open the door. Jesus opens the door for you to come into the kingdom, and there's the fullness of the kingdom of God. But the minute that you come in rebellion against God and you let pride set in the I, the will, my way, my want, now you open the door to all that the enemy has, darkness. And pride unlocks jealousy. Here comes demon number two. It's called the spirit of pride. Look at somebody and say, it's a spirit of pride. It is a spirit of jealousy. And pride comes in with a way of thinking, and jealousy comes in with a way of thinking that's all tied to deception. And the enemy's plan is to divide you and separate you from God and from the members in your household. Do you see what pride does? Pride comes before destruction. Pride is the door to the enemy coming into your life and into your family to destroy your household. 
and we're going to shut the door on the devil. Look at someone who says, shut the door on the devil. What is jealousy? Jealousy compares. Jealousy is competitive. Jealousy is hateful and spiteful. Jealousy is a murdering spirit. If I can't have it, neither will they have it. That is the spirit of jealousy to bring destruction. Pride and jealousy work together to bring deception. Deception leads to division. Division leads to destruction. Pride and jealousy come to steal, kill, and destroy. Proverbs 14.1 says, wisdom built her house. Proverbs says, wisdom builds her house, but jealousy comes to destroy your house. Let's read that scripture. Proverbs 14.1. You say the Lord gave you all of this? Yep. This is what bubbled in me. And we're going to break pride and we're going to break jealousy along with the lying spirit. That comes next. Because lies have to defend themselves. If you get caught, if you get caught in something, then the lies come to protect. Proverbs 14, 1. A wise woman builds her home but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Remember several weeks ago, I read out of the book of Proverbs, and I said that when you read in the Bible about the wise woman, you're reading about wisdom. When you're reading about the foolish woman, you're, reading, you're learning about the spirit of the world, the spirit of God versus the spirit of the world. When you let wisdom in, you'll build something. When you let pride in, jealousy comes in, and it'll bring destruction. It'll tear your house apart. Look at somebody and say, we're building on a solid foundation. And we have to uproot the enemy's plans to destroy our lives and our families. So we're getting to the roots of it. Proverbs 14.30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Not only will jealousy tear down your natural relationships and your natural household, it'll destroy your body, your temple. If you get jealousy in your heart, it'll bring sickness and disease to your physical body. That's, that's the roots to sickness and disease. From bitterness, if you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, you can read up on Dr. Caroline Leaf's stuff. She's a neurologist from South Africa. And she clearly explains how bitterness and judgment and all that stuff that you carry on the inside puts dark patches on your thinking. And it releases toxins into your body to bring sickness and disease to you physically. That's why you have to keep your heart clean and not judge people. Can you say amen? Now here we get to it. James chapter 3, 13 through 16. Look at the person next to you say, this is going to close the deal right here. I want to maybe read the passage before that too, because this is so good. What did I say, James? James 3, 13 through 16. You should read this whole thing at home, but I'll start at 13. 
if you're wise and understand God's ways, say, I'm wise and I do it God's way, prove it by living an honorable life. Do good works with humility that come from wisdom. 14, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, say pride and jealousy, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. So that's where lying kicks in. So now you have pride, you have jealousy, which is a murdering, comparing, hatred spirit that wants to bring destruction. And then it starts with boasting, boasting, look what I've done in my own strength. Oh, look at my degrees, look at my money, look at my watch, look at my blah. And that's all that you're wearing as a covering to hide the fact that you're naked, you're afraid, and you're ashamed. That's what we wear to clothe ourselves when we don't carry the glory of God. It gets really bad. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, pride and jealousy, there, is, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Do you see how destructive pride is and jealousy is? And if you let those two things control you and rule your heart, if that's the spirit in your heart, that attitude, the spirit of pride, my way, my want, how I want it, if that's how you rule and reign and operate in self and then have jealousy where you compare, where you judge, where you use fear to intimidate, where you use manipulation, where you lie, you connive, this is where every kind of evil begins to work through you to bring disorder and destruction to your household. It'll bring sickness to your body. It'll destroy everything you're trying to. There's no building that's happening. And Jesus said, if you don't build on what I teach you, you're going to build on a sandy thing. And the minute a storm hits your life, there's nothing to sustain you, nothing to hold you, nothing to keep you. Everything crashes. You lose everything. We're building on a solid foundation. Look at the person next to you say, we're going to build right. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. <laughs> you say, well, God's a loving God. Yeah, God also hates things. Look at somebody and tell them, God hates things. So I'm going to love what God loves. I'm going to hate what God hates. Right? If he's our father and he hates something, then I'm going to be in unity about what he doesn't like. And I'm going to stand against what the thing, the thing God doesn't like. Can you say amen? There are six things the Lord hates. Seven he detests. Firstly, haughty eyes or a pride look. Secondly, a lying tongue. Third, hands that kill the innocent. That's why we don't believe in abortion. A heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who sows discord in a family. 
A liar is someone who sows seeds of discord in a household to bring division. Man, you put some, any kind of responsibility as an order on your children, they'd be like, spirit of jealousy and pride. Why do I have to do it? And what is my brother and sister doing? That's where it is already. It's already bound in the heart of the child. And you have to uproot that thing and teach your children another way. And you have to make them do the opposite of what their will is, what pride is wanting them to do. Because if you don't uproot that through training in love, say training in love. Not you hate it in your child and you try to beat it out of them, but you walk in the same thing. That's the Lord saying, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't provoke your children to be angry. Because your kids are, they glorify you. They will do what you do, just on a greater level. So if you don't like something in your children, I think you should go look in the mirror. And we can go home now. Some of us have got some mirror staring to do. Is this good truth? Guys, we've got to talk about this. We've got to get to the roots of the problems. And we've got to make a decision that we're going to uproot these things that are bringing destruction to our homes. Because if we can ever get peace and unity in our households, and there's the presence of God in our home, and as a family, we unite around what God wants to get done, we become unstoppable. But if we're fighting one another in our own households, how are we going to help anybody else? It all starts in your house. Everything that you need for life, you can be trained in your household. And if you have the right principles, you'll leave home and you'll be successful. Are you with me? And so these are things that I didn't know growing up. These are things that the Lord, by His grace, has taught me. And I've had many encounters with God where He has personally come to me and corrected me and delivered me and broke mindsets out of me. I've had some very painful yet humbling moments with the Lord. I remember the day. I got into an argument with my son. He was like four years old at the time. I had made him a promise that if he came to the conference with me and helped me at work, that I would spend Monday with him because I was off, and Monday I would spend with him whatever he wanted to do. So he was with me the whole weekend. The Lord spoke to me, give an offering that weekend. That's another story. I obeyed the Lord. Monday morning comes. We go to Walmart. We're at Walmart at 7 a.m. It's a ghost town. It was the most pleasurable shopping experience I ever had at Walmart because nobody else was there. We found the movie he wanted. We went home, watched Fantastic Four the first time. Then we watched Fantastic Four the second time. And then he said, Dad, let's watch it a third time. I said, no, son. We've watched it twice. We ain't watching it again. And then he got mad at me, which he had every right to be mad at me because I promised him that I would do whatever he wanted to do if he took the whole weekend and stuck with me. But then I changed the deal on him. So he got upset. Then I got upset. Then I wanted to spank him. And then he looked at me and he said, you're such a meanie. When he said that to me, I shattered on the inside. My heart broke. Because I didn't have a relationship with my father. My dad and I, we just couldn't talk. 
There was always us butting heads all the time. We disagreed about everything. He was always right. I was always wrong. And all I wanted was to have a home where we had unity and I actually had a relationship with my kids and my wife and I didn't have a broken home. You can have parents in your household, but there'd be no communication. There'd be no love. There's just this atmosphere of turmoil, bitterness, judgment, pride, jealousy. And it's an atmosphere that your children grow up in that plants seeds of rebellion. And man, when he, and my, 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 my heart's desire was just to have my family together where they didn't fight. That's all I wanted. And so when he said that to me, I saw the curse that was my dad and his dad never got along, and his dad and the great didn't get along. So it comes down the family line, and here it's still in me. Nothing's changed yet. Still under that curse, doing the things my, the way my forefather did it. And here it's getting ready to repeat the cycle again between me and my son. But the grace of God. Look at somebody and say the grace of God. The Lord told me to give an offering. The Lord told me that Friday I was going to the conference and I had like 350 bucks, 270 bucks in my bank account. And I said to the Lord, I always ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? And I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, give $50. I was like, yeah. Extra money left over. No problem. We can do 50, Jesus. And on my way to the bank to draw the money, the Lord spoke to me and said, I don't want you to get the money from the bank. I want you to get the money from under your bed. I was like, no, God, I don't have money under my bed. I got nothing under my bed. I want you to know God knows exactly how much money you have hidden in secret places. Because I had exactly $50 under my bed. But it was a collection of coins and $2 notes that I had spent eight years putting together. Special half-dollar coins. And $2 notes. It took me eight years to collect. $50. It was in a purple little beautiful bag in a box under my bed, hidden. It's a private secret treasure that had special value to me. It was only 50 bucks, but it had value to me. The Lord said, give it. And when you give God, when God asks you to give something special, God has something special that He wants to give you. If you will give God what is the desire of your heart, he'll give you a desire in his heart. And he tested me that weekend. So when Monday morning rolled around and I had that argument, that altercation with my son that was just going to repeat this curse thing, when he said it to me, the Lord revealed it to me. It's like the power of God hit me and shattered my heart. I went into my room, called my spiritual mom, and I was on the phone with her weeping, just like God was shaking me. And I told her what had happened. She prayed for me and she said, I'm going to leave you in the presence of the Lord. And when she, when she clicked the phone off, I was crying. Like one of those bitter, snot, tear crying moments where you're undone, where you're just broken before God. And the Lord, I went into a vision and he put a 180 degree movie screen in front of me. And I had all these little pictures. They were all videos of my life. And the Lord pulled one of the pictures, and he played, he replayed my attitude towards people. And he said, see, you don't really love people. When you stand before God, God judged the man, he judged the woman, and he judged the serpent. 
Every one of us will stand before the Lord and God will actually play clips of your life to prove that you're guilty. There's no escaping. You know how people say before they die, their life flashes before their eyes? They see their entire lives and they either go straight to hell or they go to heaven. It's real. And I sat there and the Lord pulled these videos out. He said, you don't really love people. And then Jesus, by his grace, I wept bitterly and he, delivered, he pulled it out of me. And then he took the next video. He says, you favor people. You favor these people over those people. Showed it to me. I repented. He pulled it out of me. I had a deliverance session for like two hours in my bedroom with Jesus. Breaking pride out of my heart. And I had no idea that it was there. I was blinded to it. And family, these are the moments that we have with God Almighty. I tell you, where His love comes. And He sets us free from the things we're walking in that we don't even know we're carrying. So that we can have better lives. That's the goodness of God. Can you say amen? And so, I want to pray today. I don't know if that was the right ending. But... Let me read one more scripture. 1 Corinthians. This is the foundation God wants us to build on. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. This is the agape love of God. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I encourage you to memorize that scripture. I encourage you to put this scripture up in your household. Because this is the standard that God desires us to live by. And the minute he said, love the command, Jesus, command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you do yourself. God gave man one command in the garden, do not eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will die. God says the minute that you step out of my command of love, you step into pride, you step into death and destruction. That's why keeping this scripture in your heart, knowing what the love of God is and using it as um, a border that you will not cross. And anytime anybody crosses the line on what God has commanded, that is, that is a sign that you need to come back to safety. Because you're crossing into destruction. Anytime that you step out of love, you step into the flesh, which brings pride, which unlocks everything else, evil of every kind, and it'll destroy. It's only with pride that there's contention. Pride's, I'm right, no, I'm right, no, I'm right, no, I'm right. Fight. But if somebody humbles himself, not my way, let's do it your way. Humility. And then the other person will be like, no, 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 I don't want it my way. Let's, let's figure it out and do it together. There's, you always win when you walk in love. Always. And we cannot bring correction outside of the attitude or the spirit of love. Because if you bring correction in fear, in pride, and that realm, then all you're doing is reinforcing it into your children or your spouse. Are you with me? 
And so it says here, love is patient. The minute you're feeling, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done talking to you. You take that impatience to the cross and you crucify it there and say, I'm going to, I choose to love my wife. I choose to love my husband. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to be irritable. I'm not going to cross the line because if I get irritated, I lose my peace. If I lose my peace, I'm going to say things I shouldn't say, and then we're going to get into a fight. Guess what? Thanksgiving is over. Because it'll take two days for you to figure that thing out because you're ignoring each other. You see what I'm talking about? This is the kingdom is within you. What is going on in the world you're living? What are the thoughts you're thinking? What are the emotions you're carrying? Does Jesus control your emotions? Does the word of God, does the love of God restrain your emotions? Does the love of God bring self-control to you? Are you letting God work in your life so that you can walk in this? And if there's areas in your life where you're not walking in love, then you go to the Lord and say, God, I have not been perfected in your love. I need you to impart love to me so that I can walk in this thing that you command me to walk in. If God is commanding you to walk in love, then surely God must give you the love to be able to do it. So you can go to the Father and say, Father, I'm irritated right now. Let your consuming fire, let the love consume my impatience so that I can reflect your glory in my family, to my neighbors. It doesn't keep record of wrong. You need to go into your memory banks and all the files that you have about all the wrong that everybody's done to you, you need to take those files, you need to forgive them, and you need to throw them in the trash, and you need to clean your filing cabinet out because God wants to fill your filing cabinet with things of the kingdom and your future in there. You can't live in the kingdom but be your whole being still be rooted in what people have done to you in the past. God wants to clean your memory bank out. He wants to burn all the files of who done you wrong. And he'll do it if you'll let him. Can you say amen? And so we can get in, it's not rude, does not demand its own way, keeps no record of wrong. Ah, they deserved what they got. That's an attitude people have. When people get hurt, they're like, "Ah, that's evil joy. When you're happy about somebody else facing destruction, that's not the God kind of love. Love never gives up. You want to give up, you want to quit on them, you don't quit. Can you say amen? It endures through every circumstance. Yeah, that's solid. Say thank you, Jesus. So let's, let's stand. I want to pray, and then we'll give you an opportunity to give, and then we'll head for the hills. It's early, man. I've still got 45 minutes. I can feel in the room that God has done surgery on you today. We got blasted with the glory, and then the word which came, it was a word from the Spirit of God. It cut right in there, and the Lord's doing surgery on you just like He did surgery on me many, many years ago. So I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands. And we're going to surrender our lives to the Lord today. That's what we're doing. 
we're going to give God full permission to do a work on the inside of us. Not us trying to get clean for God. We're going to let God clean us. How about that? And then what God reveals, He heals. Where God shows you something that He wants to deal with, He'll, he'll bring the grace to break you free. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I want to build on a solid foundation. I want my home solid. I want my life solid. So no matter what storm we face, that we will overcome. And I ask you, God, to forgive me for any place that I've operated in pride, where I stepped out of love with you, obeying your word, with myself, where I've judged myself, and where I've judged others. Come against others in any way. Whatever I've done in my home, out of pride, wherever the enemy has worked through me to bring division and destruction, I ask you, God, to, to help us. Help me. Help my family. Remove the division. So that we can walk in unity, in love. And I give you full permission, God, to scan my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, my memory. I give you access to my spirit, my soul, my body, my life. And if there's anything, God, in the way I think, in the way I speak, in the way I act, that is not pleasing to you, is not in line with love, expose it, God. And give me the grace to overcome in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you as they've given permission. <laughs> they've given you access. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do a work. Jesus, you said the work that you start, you will complete. And Father, they've given you access to do a work on the inside of them. And Lord, I thank you that your love is a consuming fire. Let the light of God shine into the darkness, into the shadows, God. And Lord, I ask that you would expose every attitude, every spirit, every thought that is not planted by the word of God. God, that you would do an uprooting in people's lives. Father, that you would even give them opportunities when they walk out of here to encounter certain things, God. And that you would give them the grace to break through. And I thank you, Lord, that this holiday season will be like no other. That the love of God, the, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the fruits of the Spirit... The goodness of God would be experienced in our households like in no other time prior, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, that we will step into another realm of your goodness. And Lord, it'll go from glory to glory to glory. 
And I declare that from today forward, things are changing in your life. Things are changing in your home. And they will never, ever be the same again. I speak destruction on every plan and strategy of the enemy to bring division and to destroy your lives and your households. I declare that it comes to naught. And I thank you, Father, that we're going to have strong homes built on your word. Strong families, Lord God, that are righteous and blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Yeah, I feel like